is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the December 14th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. Of course, you can listen to Local Matters on the radio on Wednesday afternoons and Thursday evenings, but you can also listen to us anytime with the podcast version. To listen to the podcast, please go to and follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. If you are on Facebook, you can also go to the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia Facebook page and follow us there because we post every episode on that Facebook page. Our last two episodes featured all four candidates for the Georgia State House of Representatives District 129 seat. Those are Scott Cambers, Reverend Carlton Howard, Davis Green, and Brad Owens. They are all running as Democrats and there will not be a Republican primary because the Republicans did not nominate a candidate back on May 24th. There will also not be a Republican to challenge them after the end of this special election. So the winner of this special election goes to Atlanta to represent that district. The official special election date is December 20th, and you can vote early at the municipal building up until Friday, December 16th. The full voting times and schedule are posted on our Local Matters Facebook page, and so is a listing of the precincts in which people should vote and a map of the new district boundaries. The boundaries of the district have changed considerably, and it now includes substantial parts of Commission District 1. So there are some people who were represented by Sheila Clark Nelson who are now in this district instead. The district also includes parts of District 2, District 3, one precinct in District 5, and a few precincts in District 7. Please check to see if you live in the new district 129 uh, by going to the My Voter page system with the Georgia Secretary of State's office or by going to the Local Matters Facebook page. I will let you know that turnout so far has been extremely low. Some days there have actually been more poll workers than there have been registered voters. Don't miss this opportunity to go to the polls. And I know you're tired, you've got election fatigue, but like some of the issues that we're going to discuss today, the folks in the state legislature have some say so over the laws that govern those things. If you need a ride to the polls on election day or during advanced voting, please contact the Greater Augustus Interfaith Coalition at 706-707-9500. They are providing free rides to the polls, so just call 706 707-9500 to reserve a space. 
I have Donna Moraine, who is returning to talk about how poverty sends people to jail. She was with us back on July 20th to describe her court watching activities. And today she provides a few examples of how a lack of money and nuances in the law leave many people with felonies on their records and serving jail time just because they're too poor to pay fines. But before we get to her, we are joined by Augusta Commissioner Francine Scott from District 9. Local Matters listeners, we have a special guest with us today, and that is my District 9 Commissioner, Ms. Francine Scott. How are you doing today, Commissioner Scott? I'm doing well, Ms. Allen. How about you? And uh, happy holidays and all of that good stuff to you, your listeners, and your family. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Speaking of the holiday season, you are preparing to do something really special for residents of District 9 during the holidays. Can you just tell our listeners all about it? Yes. Yeah, sure. I am um, getting ready to do the first Christmas in the community and where we have targeted this year for Christmas in the community is in the Laney Walker Bethlehem community and it will be this Saturday December 17th from 12 to 2 at Antioch Baptist Church you could come and get a free cook meal again free cook meal and we will also have toys uh, for uh, people who needing toy, toys for the kids, you can also pick up a toy or toys for the children that you have custody or your grandkids or your children. And it's going to be a great time in the community. We're going to have um, uh, music. We're going to have food, fellowship, and just to say thank you to my community for supporting me and looking forward to a brand new year. Okay. Um, and everything is free, correct? Absolutely. Everything is free. And I don't want to go down the list and list all the sponsors, but we do. Everything is free. Um, the meal is cooked. And we're just asking people to come out and enjoy a day of fellowship from 12 to 2 next uh, this Saturday, December 17th. Okay, it's going to be at Antioch Baptist Church. Is it indoors or is it outdoors? No, it's and it's actually going to be outside because of COVID. But we will, uh, and it's a rain or shine event. We will have tent for if you you can either stay and eat your meal under the tent, or you can carry your meal. Uh, with you and if you have other things to do. But yes, it is an outdoor because, you know, COVID and the flu and all of that, I just don't want to take the risk. You know, I want people to stay healthy. I want to stay healthy. And uh, so we decided to do it on the grounds of Antioch Baptist Church. Okay. And I think Antioch is located on Florence Street, if I'm Florence Street, absolutely on Florence Street. All right. So anybody is invited to come on out. You do, as you mentioned, particular emphasis on those with children because you're going to be giving away some toys, uh, but there's going to be free food, a nice nutritious meal and a uh, Christian DJ out there playing a lot of good music. 
um, this Saturday, December 17th, Antioch Baptist Church, Florence Street, 12 noon until 2 p.m. Yes, and it's going to be first come, first serve basis, but I think we'll have enough for everybody, um, for anyone who comes. I think my sponsors uh, who uh, who's giving donation, uh, I uh, we'll have enough food, we'll have enough toys for everyone. And it's this Saturday, it's free. It's outdoors and we want to protect everybody's health. So we are going to have it outside. Okay. Commissioner Scott, thank you so much for your willingness to do this for the community. I know it takes some effort to call up sponsors and get everything organized and laid out. So we just really appreciate your effort to do something for the constituents that you serve. Thank you, Ms. Allen. And I appreciate you and I appreciate what you do in the community. You know, you're the hardest working woman. I mean, this season has been <laughs> with uh, election, local elections, uh, and it's so appropriate that your um, your uh, program is local matters, uh, you know, is what we need to be informed about. We need to know what's going on in the community and you educating us in the community on what we need to know so we can make informed decisions. I think that's part of your little tagline, informed decisions. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Have a great yeah, holiday you. season. Okay, you too. God bless you. Local Matters listeners, today we have a return guest, and that is Dr. Donna Murray. Uh, she is our local court watcher. Uh, you will recall that a few months ago, we did an episode entitled, When Poverty Sends You to Jail. Um, today is going to be part two of that, and we're so happy to have Donna back with us. How are you doing today, Donna? You know, there's a lot of ups and downs with court watching, but today is a good day. Thank you so much for having me back, Miss Janice. Yeah, actually, that episode was one of our uh, more popular episodes because people didn't understand a lot about the whole business of court watching. And um, certainly some of the things that you've seen um, as we talked earlier there are things that happen in courtrooms that are not reflected in your favorite court drama. Uh, there are things that don't make the newspaper. There are things that don't make the local news, but they are terribly heartbreaking. So uh, I just appreciate you being able to share some of the things you've seen with our uh, listeners. So thanks so much for being willing to come back. Um, as you think through some of the more frankly, horrifying things that you have seen uh, in court. What would some of those things be? Uh, so one thing I can open with, uh, I don't want to pretend that watching is just about watching. There are times when you can, as a court watcher, have an influence. And I'm lucky enough to have finally felt like I got somebody out of the jail. Uh, there was a young lady, a young mom, who was in misdemeanor court, which is the one I watched primarily um, because she owed misdemeanor probation uh, fines and fees. And she also owed felony probation fines and fees. So I also, I went to um, the felony session, which was wild. <laughs> I'm very happy to only watch misdemeanor because that felony session was, was nuts, but she didn't have a lawyer for her felony 
probation case. And so by me seeing her sit in the jail for, it ended up being five months. I was able around month three to ask, you know, the public defender's office, hey, is she on your radar? You know, why is she still in the jail? And they got on her on that case. And unfortunately, uh, she was on a calendar. It got delayed because the judge was in trial for longer than they expected. But the next month, um, they were able to negotiate with felony probation that she would get out of the jail if her family paid them $200. And they did, and she's out now, but she still owes more on her probation, and, and she spent five months, over $200. She missed her, her kindergarten kids' first day of school. Like, you can never get that back, and I'm not sure our community is any better off because she was using, you know, she was in the jail for five months. So it's it's kind of a success tinged with a whole lot of tragedy, but but that's one of the, the many cases in the last, past few months that I am hoping to tell your re- your listeners about today, and, and hopefully you guys can come and, and have these kind of impacts and follow through so more people don't suffer that way. And in this particular case, you said that you obviously did feel good because you were able to reach out to the public defender's office on her behalf. Um, now, is that... Do you think that effort was successful because you had a prior relationship with the folks in the public defender's office? Probably because I have some cell phone numbers that most people wouldn't have, but you know, anybody, these are all public spaces. The same way you can watch the county commissioners on their recorded, anybody can walk into court and anybody can walk into the public defender's office and say, hey, you know, I think there's something going on here. Can you look into it? And so it's not just me, you know, with my having done a year in the public defender's office, that probably makes things a little easier, but anybody can can speak up when they see injustice. And I take it you would encourage us to, if if we see something, because I know people in our community know the folks that this has happened to. Um, so it's, picking up the phone and saying, hey, please look, take another look at this. It's not something that's out of the question. Yeah, and I'm really inspired. Um, one of the cases last year, Miss um, Lasagna Grandstaff, her, she went to speak to the commission in October, I believe, about her son with mental illness who had been arrested. She had called uh, the non-emergency line just to get a police escort to the hospital for her son. And she's stayed with her case, obviously, because it's her son. And I can't wait. I hope I get to meet her someday. She's she's advocated in front of the commission. She's gone to the Channel 12 News. And the Channel 12 News just did a story last month following up on her son's case. And they realized that now that they had the body cam footage and the police report, they didn't match. You know, the police report, what they wrote down and reported said there's this, her son had hit them first. So that's why they had to tackle him to the ground and, and punch him in the head. But when you see the body cam, that didn't happen. And I, I don't have the resources by myself to be requesting body cam for all these cases, but I see dozens of cases where, where similar things happen. Someone with a mental illness says they weren't resisting or a young person you know, says that they didn't know, you know, because sometimes cops come in, in plain clothes and they, they don't identify. So there's dozens of cases like this, and it takes that months and months of follow-up. Not to mention that when Channel 12 got the body cam, the prosecutors dropped the case against him. So it's that kind of thing where if you do the follow-up and you, you spend the time, you can expose some of these cases that, that end up not being cases at all. Okay. 
This sounds so similar. That particular case sounds so similar to what we have heard on a nationwide level about, you know, one story being told and then the video shows something entirely different, um, which goes to show that no matter where you are, you're not immune to that sort of thing happening. Yeah. And it's up to us because they operate on our behalf. You know, sometimes the police or the prosecutors or the judges say, well, you know, to keep the public safe, we need to do X, Y, Z. And I'm part of the public. And I I don't think that particular case or some of these other ones, um, I'll tell you the one that's broken my heart the most in my two years of watching. There was a 17-year-old whose family kicked him out of the home. I'm not sure why, but he was not welcome to live in his family home anymore. And he was arrested on a misdemeanor in September for breaking into a home for sale just to have somewhere to sleep. And, you know, he's 17. What I found out later looking into his case, 17-year-olds aren't allowed in the shelter. They're forbidden as unaccompanied minors. You have to be 18 to go into shelter. So there's literally nowhere for a 17-year-old homeless person to go. So he pled out on that case in early September. And I was I was moving and shaking, trying to see what I could do for him. And three weeks later, he's arrested on a felony for breaking into a car because he's still homeless with nowhere to sleep and no money for food. And and now he's been living in the jail ever since late September. And he'll be a felon if he pleads or goes to trial and loses. And he's just set up for to live life as a felony. And if we had if we had resources as a community, you know, I would feel safer if those 17 year olds had somewhere to go, if our community stepped up for cases like this. You know, I, I don't want mentally ill people being punched by the cops. I don't want homeless 17 year olds to have nothing. Like these are the gaps that come out in court that we as a community need to step up and, and do something about. Yeah, let's explore that one a little bit deeper. So <clears throat> you said the young man was 17, homeless, and he could not go to a shelter because the shelters don't accept unaccompanied minors. Correct. And he's not the only homeless 17 year old. He's just, he's, yeah, even to come through court while I've been watching, like this is not an uncommon scenario. So if he'd been a few months older, he could have just checked into a homeless shelter. Or gotten federal dollars, there's emergencies, service grants, ESG, I think, that that you can get a hotel voucher, motel voucher, things like that. But again, you can't give it to minors. So it seems like he was in this sort of never, never land, this gap there, the black hole between uh, being able to get something reasonably safe, you know, like a hotel voucher. And no, no, it felt like no resort, but the you know, sleep in somebody's, just find any shelter he could. Yep. And and that's the thing, you need to be in the courts because then you hear the context, you know, even if, even if these stories make the news, you might hear like, you know, oh, a violent, you know, mentally ill person was charged with family violence. And it's like, oh, but, you know, he, that case, it's in, on channel 12, he broke a, um, a picture frame. And that's criminal trespass. A lot of people get tripped up on that. Criminal trespass isn't just about being somewhere you're not allowed to be. It's also about harming property that isn't yours. So, uh, you know, even in your own home, you can, you know, these these 
the headlines don't give the context of what some of these cases involve. Like even even some of the cases that all of us could could demonize, you know, like DUIs, we're all driving on the roads. We don't want to be on the roads with drunk drivers. I certainly don't. I'm sure you don't. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing when you he- go to court and you hear how often, for example, DUI goes together with grief. You know, my mom just died and I, I was grieving and I made the wrong decision, you know, or our infant died. Even family violence cases, you know, my, my infant died and we as a couple have been fighting over that. You know, like counseling is never prescribed as a remedy in court. Court, the only tools they have are fines, fees, jail, probation. You know, sometimes you can go get a clinical evaluation if if alcoholism or mental illness is a concern, but there's never just grief counseling or, you know, so there's, we need to bring these tools to the courts because other communities have them and, and we need those same tools here in Augusta Richmond County. And as we think about upcoming legislative session, uh, we have uh, one house race that's still going on. Um, so far, very few voters have turned out. I think it's a little over a thousand. Seems like the number I heard yesterday was a thousand thirty, a thousand forty voters, something like that, have turned out for that special election for the House District One Twenty Nine seat. And those folks are the ones who could make a difference with some of these the laws as well as the resources. Uh, to to make a difference. So I am, the reason why today is a good day is is looking forward to 2023. I think there is a lot of room for hope. Um, With the new legislative session, Raise the Age will be coming up again, and that keeps 17-year-olds in juvenile court, where, you know, their defects is in juvenile court. They have some housing options available for a case like that, you know, so raise the age coming up in the statewide legislative session is what I'm really hoping will actually pass so that I don't see these 17 year olds anymore. They stay in the juvenile court. Um, another thing I'm working on, I'm, I've got since the last time we spoke, I've gotten close with some um, groups in Atlanta that have a group called Policing Alternatives and Diversion, where instead of when you call 911 with a low level case like I need help transporting this mentally ill member of my family to the hospital. They respond instead of the police. And so, or homelessness, you know, there's someone on my porch that I don't want here in my business. You know, they respond and they'll transport people or provide those connections to housing or to mental health services. And so if they have it in Atlanta, I'm beginning hopefully to try to get the same service to start coming over to other cities outside of Atlanta. So. There's not only looking to the future, but also the follow-up. So I talked about a few different laws last time, like expungement, so that if you somehow make it through all the fines, fees, probation, you then go another four years with no criminal activity, you can get your record cleaned. So you have access to better jobs and housing and things like that. I'll be starting up with the library in January, every second Friday, uh, helping people to fill out the petition to get their uh, record cleared. So there's a lot of good coming up. There's a lot of good follow through that needs to happen. So I need help. <laughs> if, if you care about, you know, public health or youth justice or mental illness, or even just good governance, because we, it doesn't make sense. The jail budget went up 20% just this year. It's the 13th largest line item in our budget. So if you, if you want to spend a few more dollars on the potholes in the road, instead of the jail, like 
come come court watch, come transcribe these cases if you can't be in court, like come write emails to your legislator. There's so many different ways that you can see the type of justice you wanna see happen in Richmond County. Okay, and as you mentioned that, just tell me for someone who wants to volunteer, uh, with you. Give me, give us the name of the uh, website that you put together. Yes, it's www.augustajustice.org. Augustajustice.org. And is there a volunteer tab there? Is that the best way to reach you? There is. So you just fill out the form or you send an email. It's info at augustajustice.org. And, and I'll, I check it every day. I'm, I'm very excited to find people who care about these issues. And the types of things, if you could just kind of go over the types of things, you mentioned some, but where can somebody help you? What what where, what sorts of tasks would it be if, if you were to enlist some additional volunteers? Yeah, it could be if you're interested in the long term, coming to watch court when you find the time, let's say maybe you work a shift job where you maybe have a Tuesday or Thursday off and you know that, you know, in the future, I'm happy to, to teach you all the note taking um, that's a bigger commitment. If you and your friends have a, a book club or a church group or anything like that, and you can devote one day of service to just transcribing these records, because I take pen and paper into court, I can't bring recording devices. So all this pen and paper needs to go into a database so that it's searchable and sortable and things like that. So that's that would be a one-off that somebody could do with, with a group, for example. Um, it, around certain times, there are email campaigns where if Raise the Age comes up before a committee sometime between January and May when the session is going on, you know, so I have your email to say, hey, now's the time. It's going up for a vote. Tell your legislators that you want Raise the Age passed. So that's just a, a smattering of different things. And I'm open to new ideas. If people know of other resources or events going on, I'd love to hear them. Doing open records requests is another fun one. I've gotten a few open records to know, you know, what is the context of this case or sending those emails and following up when, hey, I haven't heard back on my open records request. You know, there's there's so many different ways. And, and help me with that. I, of course, I'm familiar with people submitting open records requests to the local government to ask about, you know, some policy decision that was made or request a copy of a contract or, you know, things like that. Um, can you actually file an open records request related to some individual court case? Oh yeah, that one's one of the easier ones because you just walk into the clerk of court's office there in the courthouse with the case number and you say, I want the warrant you know, related to case number 2022 RCMC, whatever it might be, you know, or I'd like the sentencing documents so you know what, ha what the fines and fees are that someone gets, you know, things like that. So Related to specific cases is very easy. Related to like government contracts is a little bit harder because that's an email or through the Richmond County portal. And then you need to follow up because they get dozens of requests. So you, know, you need to make sure that yours is at the top of their mind. So the follow-up is, is a big one. If, if I have someone whose one issue is mental health care in the jail, you know, then you can just be the, the pit bull, you know, hanging on to that issue until it's resolved, until you get the answers. So. It, there's a lot of different issues that if your if your issue is something I've mentioned or even if it's something I haven't, if you are committed to doing that follow up, I, I need the help. Okay, all right, AugustaJustice.org. Yes, ma'am. Right. 
All right. All right. Great. We've got just another minute or two. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before we close out our interview today? Yeah, I think one of the big takeaways last time I talked about the biggest uh, takeaway I had was that it's not like you see on TV. This time, I think the thing I'd want to leave folks with is that when no one's watching, like people in power can kind of get away with whatever, whether it's like we talked about when the police report doesn't match the body cam, but even sometimes the judges, you know, if they're having a bad day, they can sentence someone to something you don't agree with, like having straight A's as a condition of bond for a high schooler, you know, or having a 5 p.m. curfew. Like if you don't get straight A's, your parents could call and send you back to the jail. Like, I don't know if that helps anybody or, you know, sentencing someone to marry their victim or they'll be fined. Like, I don't know that, that that's the way justice should be done in Richmond County. So I need you actually yeah. seen a case like that. Yes, ma'am. So Tell me a bit more about that one. Uh, it was a criminal trespass, I believe, where again, it's not just being somewhere you're not supposed to be. It's, it's, damaging property that isn't yours. So it was a couple that had a fight that got out of hand and the police were called. And a lot of these times, as soon as you call the police, it's not in your hands anymore. The police file the charges, the prosecutor decides whether or not they're going to prosecute it. And it doesn't matter if the victim says we were both at fault or I don't want, you know, the neighbors called the police. It's not an issue. Like I'm handling it. It doesn't matter. It's in the court system now. It's their prerogative to dismiss it or not. And so the fiance was there in court saying, you know, we're good. We're getting married. This isn't an issue We're, you know, we don't want this court case. And the judge said, all right, you know, if, if you say you're getting married, like I'll, when you provide proof that you've gotten married, you can avoid the fine associated with this case. And so that's one where an open records request that happened a little while ago. And I don't know whether they paid the fine or whether they showed proof. But if you're interested in the end to that story, I can give someone the case number and we can follow up and see if that's the way that case went down. Because think of all the other criminal trespasses where you don't have a fiance to marry, you know, that there's no, you know, like that just, that's a weird one where it's, it's not, to me, it doesn't sound like justice because there's so many other criminal trespasses that don't get that weird loophole. Donna, thank you so much for, again, being a guest on Local Matters um, as you are uh, going about your own uh, way, showing that one person really can make a difference. We appreciate all of the time, effort, and energy you put into this to make sure that we have a, a better community for everybody who lives here. Thank you so much. And really, I was so excited last time because you were the first person to give me a voice, you know, like I've, I'm sitting here watching and, and it hadn't gotten out until you used your platform to spread these stories. So I really appreciate everything you do for us, too. You're very welcome. Local Matters family, please join us next week where we'll discuss the results of the December 20th special election for House District 129. And we'll also talk a little bit about the upcoming legislative session and some of the things that will be on tap. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those 
giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.